Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. My name is Joe Little. I'm the youth pastor here at Mission Church, which means that we can give it up for, yeah, let's give it up for our students. Love our students. Best job in the world. And um, since we're talking about students, on Tuesday, we have a Mission Youth Bonfire. It's going to be amazing. It's, so if you're in middle school or high school, we're going to be hanging out. It's going to be outdoors. We're going to have some free food. Come on, we're going to do Taco Tuesday. It's going to be so special. We're going to be having live music, and then we're even going to have our uh, small group leaders just sharing for five minutes. What do you wish you knew in school? So it's going to be so much fun. If you want to go, you can register at missionchurchca.com backslash groups. It's going to be amazing. And I do want to take a moment to just say thank you. Can we give it up for our lead pastors, Tyler and Rachel Johnson? Come on, we can do better than that. Can we give it up for our lead pastors, Tyler and Rachel Johnson? I I still think we can do a little better, but I want to just for a second remind us. I know that a lot of times maybe you've been in church for a long time and, and maybe you've, you've had some really, really amazing lead pastors to the point that it feels like it's normal. But can I tell you what's happening here at Mission Church isn't normal. And me and my wife are so honored and so thankful to be a part of it. And, and I just want you to know that they pray for you. They love you. They, they love you exceptionally. This isn't a normal group of people. These aren't normal pastors, but they're just so special. So can we one more time give it up for our lead pastors, Tyler and Ray. Rachel Johnson. Just love you guys so much. So honored to be here. And uh, me and my wife, Paige, uh, just celebrated three years of marriage. Come on, we can give it up for that. That has nothing to do with the message at all. Just just thought you should know. Uh, I actually have a picture that we sent in um, of me and my wife. So, so excited. She's amazing. She's awesome. As you can clearly see, she's beautiful, way out of my league. So I'm so thankful uh, for you. Love you so much. Um, And yeah, it's just an honor to be here with you guys tonight. Uh, But today, I'm super excited. I'm going to be sharing a message. And if you're taking notes, which I I think you should, uh, it's going to be titled The Weight of Waiting. And I'm, I'm really excited about this because I feel like if I was to sit down and have coffee with each of you and I was to ask you this question, do you feel like you're in a season of waiting? I feel like the majority of us would say, yes, I, I feel like I'm waiting. I'm, I'm waiting on things to maybe be a little more open. I'm, I'm waiting for maybe a healing. I'm, I'm waiting for a miracle to happen. But I think we all can agree that there are some weights to waiting. There are some things that can weigh us down. There are some things that can make us maybe feel a little bit heavy maybe feel a little bit discouraged, but I think we also can agree that how we wait matters. How we go through the process matters. So I just wanna even ask you this question, how do you respond to a season of waiting? And that's where we find the characters in our story tonight. So in Exodus chapter 32, we're, we're gonna talk about the people of Israel. And the people of Israel had just been freed from Egypt and they had just gone, gotten freed from Egypt. They had been slaves in Egypt for over 400 years and now they're in the wilderness. And the way that this pretty much worked was they're on their way to the promised land. They're on their way to a land that God has specifically set apart for them. And the way that they would kind of figure out where to go, the way that they would figure out kind of how they should act, how they should respond is their leader, Moses, would go up on this mountain and he would talk to God and then he would come back down and relay the information to them. So Moses would go up on the mountain, talk to God, come back down, tell it to the people. He would go up on the mountain, come back down and tell it to the people. But this time Moses went up and he didn't come back. 
So a few days go by, the people I'm sure are worried, they're, they're confused, you know, where's Moses? Where's, where's Moses at? A few more days go by, they're starting to get a little bit upset, like, is he still alive? Uh, is he, what, what's going on? Eventually, the Bible says that um, over, it had almost been a month since Moses had been gone. They had been waiting for him, they had been wondering where he was, they had been upset, frustrated for almost a month. And in Exodus chapter 32, it says, when the people realized that Moses was taking forever and coming down the mountain, they rallied around Aaron and said, do something, make gods for us who will lead us. That Moses, the man who got us out of Egypt, who knows what's happened to him. So Aaron told them, take off the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. They all did it. They removed the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from their hands and cast it in the form of a calf, shaping it with an engraving tool. The people responded with enthusiasm. These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Aaron, taking in the situation, built an altar before the calf. Aaron then announced, tomorrow is a feast day to God. Let's pray one more time. God, I thank you so much that no matter, even if we're in a season of waiting, God, even if maybe we're waiting on some things, God, we've been praying for some things and they haven't happened yet. God, I thank you that you're still with us, that you're still for us, that you can still encourage us. So just please remind us of that tonight, God. And God, I say a special prayer, God, a, a specific prayer, God, for the Los Angeles Lakers. We thank you, God, that they are your team, that you are a faithful God, that, that you've taken us to the mountaintop and you will again. And we know, God, there's no shadow you won't light up, no strained calf you won't light up, God. So we pray, God, for healing. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. amen. I knew you were out there somewhere. Uh, I hate waiting. Is there anybody else in here? Raise your hand, maybe by a show of hands, you hate Waiting. Oh, I hate waiting. Waiting is one of the most frustrating. It is one of the most irritating. It is one of the most annoying things I think that I can go through. I hate waiting. And I know I'm not alone in this because most of the technology that we use today is advertised to remove waiting. You see, back in the olden days, people used to have to go outside, risk their lives, chop down firewood. They used to have to bring that firewood inside. If they were cold, they would have to use it for heat. If they were hungry, they would have to use it to cook their food, and then they'd have to go out the next day and do it again. Come on, who knows that this is a process, that this takes patience, that this takes time. Nowadays, I can change the temperature from my phone, pop a hot pocket in the microwave, and watch the Warriors lose to the Lakers again like they did last week within five to 10 minutes. I hate waiting. But what's interesting is that when technology that we use today, a lot of the technology, when it was first coming out, wasn't advertised to remove waiting. It was actually advertised to remove hurry. So you see, when the, when the car first came out, for example, in the 1800s, people used to only travel 15 miles a day. Some of you guys travel more than that just to get to work and back, and that's in traffic. But what's crazy is people would only travel 15 miles a day by horse and buggy, but then the car came out. So people would think, oh, I can travel this 15 miles a day. I'll have time to hang out. I'll have time to be with my friends. I'll have time to read. Come on, you know you got some free time when you got time to read. So they begin to say, oh, we're gonna have so much free time. It's gonna be amazing. But what happened was the exact opposite. You see, instead of people using the car to drive 15 miles and rest more, they actually use the car to drive more miles and rest less. And don't get me wrong, I love technology. I'm a millennial, I have to. But what's crazy about this is that technology now is advertised, it is, it is used. Culture has caused us to, to believe that time should be removed, that waiting should be removed, that process should be removed. 
So because this is the way that it is in our lives, because this is the way that it is in technology, because this is the way that it is in our culture, we also believe that this is the way that it should be in our relationship with God as well. And what can happen is a lot of us can believe that the, the faith in God, having a relationship with God comes in the glory of the story. Like, oh, I was praying for this and it finally came to pass. Oh, I can have faith now. I was, I was praying for this financial miracle. God really showed up. I, I can have faith now. I, I was praying for this healing and God healed me. I can have faith now. But what if faith isn't found in the blessing? What if faith isn't found in, at the end of the story, but it's actually found in the time before? What if it's actually found in the times that we try to skip? And that leads me to my main point tonight. The main thing I want you to get from this message, I tell my middle school and high schoolers when I'm at the bonfires preaching, this is the most important part of the message. When you go home and your parents or guardians ask you, hey, what'd you learn at church tonight? This is what you tell them. Faith isn't found in the blessing. It's found in the waiting. You see, faith isn't found in the blessing. Faith is found in the waiting. If I can be honest with you, a lot of the endurance that I have, a lot of the durability that I have in my life when it comes to faith in God didn't come when everything that I had been praying to God for finally came. But it actually came in the process. It actually came in the time before. It actually came in the waiting. And I think that there are three things that we learned from this story. I call them the three I have to statements because they all start with, I have to. Uh, but the first one comes from Exodus 32, from the beginning of the story. And it says, when the people realized that Moses was taking forever and coming down the mountain, they rallied around Aaron and said, do something. Make gods for us who will lead us. That Moses, the man who got us out of Egypt, who knows what happened to him. I paused for a dramatic effect. Um, <laughs> So I feel like we've all had these moments in our life where we feel like something is missing, or we feel a void, or we feel like we're waiting on something. And this is exactly how the people of Israel would have felt. Now, the reason why losing Moses would have been such a big deal is because he wasn't just their leader, he was their bridge to God. So by feeling like they were abandoned by Moses, these people would have actually also felt like they were being abandoned by God. And the reason why this is a problem is because God was the one that brought them where they were. When they were slaves in Egypt, God was the one that freed them. When they were hungry, God was the one that provided food. When they were thirsty, God was the one that provided water. And now this resource, their protection was gone. But what's interesting about the story is that Moses wasn't missing. The Israelites could have found out where Moses was. You see, in Exodus chapter 19, the Bible says that anytime Moses used to talk to God, anytime he would go up on the mountain and talk to God, that the Israelites could see a cloud and they could hear God's voice. So anytime Moses would go and, and talk to God, the Israelites could look up at the mountain, see a cloud, and know that Moses was up there. If Moses was ever missing, they could look up to the mountain, see a cloud, and know he was talking to God. If Moses ever disappeared, they could look up to the mountain, see a cloud, and know that he was talking to God. So what this shows me is that if Moses was still talking to God, then the Israelites should have been able to still see a cloud. If Moses was still on the mountain talking to God, getting revelation from God, the Israelites should have still been able to see a cloud. They still should have been able to hear God's voice. Some of us are so focused on what we're missing in life that we can't see the things that are going on right in front of us. Some of us are so focused on what we lack that we can't see the cloud, that we can't hear the voice that we've been hearing time and time again. And the first thing that I think we can learn from this story, the first I have to statement, I have to see what's in front of me. 
You see, I have to see what's in front of me. How on earth, out of an entire nation, out of the entire nation of Israel, out of everyone that was there, how was there not one person that yelled out, hey guys, I think we're good. I can still see the cloud. How is there not one person out of the entire nation of Israel that didn't stop everyone in their tracks? People are panicking. People are freaking out. How is there not one person that said, hey guys, I can still see the cloud. I can still hear God's voice because the enemy has a way of making big the things that you're missing while making small the things that you have. But what happens in our life and what needs to happen is that we as people who are trying to follow God, we as people who are trying to have faith in God, we need to be able, no matter the situation, to find a cloud. We need to be able, no matter what we're going through, to be able to find a cloud. Maybe things aren't as open as you thought they would be, but can you see a cloud? Maybe you have to make some really hard decisions in your life, but can you see a cloud? Maybe you were praying for a healing and it hasn't showed up yet. Can you see a cloud? The reason why this is important is because if you can see a cloud, then you can see God. And if you can see God, well, then there's hope. Well, then there's faith. Well, then you can be encouraged. All you have to do is be able to find a cloud. We have to be able to see what's in front of us. And the second one comes from the next part in our story. When the people realized that Moses was taking forever and coming down off the mountain, they rallied around Aaron and said, do something. Make gods for us who will lead us. That Moses, the man who got us out of Egypt, who knows what's happened to him. So Aaron told them, take off the gold rings from their ears of your wives and your sons and daughters and bring them to me. They all did it. They removed the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from their hands and cast it in the form of a calf, shaping it with an engraving tool. The people responded with enthusiasm. These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. And I'm not the most handy person in the room. I'm sure of it because there's only a few amount of tools uh, that I know how to use. Uh, but before me and my wife moved out here to California, we lived in Florida and we owned a house. And one of the biggest differences I had seen in owning a house, it was our first house we had ever owned. One of the biggest differences I saw was if something breaks, you can't call the landlord, you are the landlord. So what happened was the day before we moved, we're literally trying to sell this house. The day before that we moved from this house, all of a sudden our AC, our air conditioning starts making some weird noises. It starts going on and off. It starts going on and off. This is in the middle of the night. This is at about nine or 10 o'clock. So literally we're both waking up and we're like, what is going on? The, the AC is just going on and off. So what do you do when you're not the handiest person? You Google it. So I Googled, what does this mean? And it's called cycling. That's, that's what it is. It makes me sound really smart, but I Googled that. It's called cycling. So now I figure, I start YouTubing. Okay, how do you fix cycling? How do you do this? And what happened was the first thing that came up was you have to fix the thermostat. So I go out to Home Depot. I'm there for a long time trying to find the right thermostat. I go back and I fix the thermostat and it takes me literally like two hours to put this thermostat on the wall. Just in case you're wondering, that's not a normal time to put a thermostat on the wall, but I'm not the handiest person in the world, but I did it. The AC started working. It just stayed on. Here, here I am, you know, just feeling really great about myself. And then we go to bed and what happens? The AC turns on. The AC turns off. The AC turns on, the AC turns off. So now I'm like, all right, this is a little bit above what you can probably YouTube. Uh, so the next day the movers are there and I have to call an air conditioning guy and the air conditioning guy comes in and he says, hey, what's going on? And I walk up and try to act like I know what I'm talking about. Like, oh man, you know, our AC just started cycling. 
you know? It just really is just cycling. I, I can't really, you know, I tried to fix a thermostat, but it didn't work. So I figured, you know, you have the equipment to stop the cycling. Uh, so, you know, I just said cycling as many times as I could. If you can stop the cycling, then the cycles. So I'm literally trying to fix the air conditioning. This guy's here and he walks up to the thermostat and he goes, well, Honestly, the thermostat's not the problem. It's not fully on correctly, but I'll fix that for you too. I'm like, dude, you didn't have to out me like that. Like literally my wife's here. Like, it's cool. I did this for two hours. Like we could have had a talk in private about that. We could have. So he says, I'm going to fix the thermostat. He hooks up a machine to the air conditioning unit. And what do you know? 10 minutes, boom, our air conditioner is fixed and he billed me. And I think, you know what? I might be called to be an AC guy. Honestly, if you can come and do work for 10 minutes and get billed, might be the job for me. Obviously they do more, just joking, funny, it's funny, I'm sorry. But <laughs> what's funny about this is I didn't fit the mold of a handyman. I don't fit the mold of someone who can just randomly fix things, I'm sorry. I had to go ahead and call someone that did. And this is the same type of problem that the Israelites are facing. So like we just said, they've just lost Moses. So by losing Moses, we just said they feel like they've lost their connection to God, so they've lost their protection, they've lost their stability, they've lost their sense of direction, so they begin to yell out, hey Aaron, uh, God's not really showing up, go get us another one. Hey, hey Aaron, I, God's not really doing the things that we, we thought he would do, go make us another one. God's not really, you know, showing up in the time frame. I, I really thought we would have a little bit more direction now. Go make us another one. Because the natural reaction to figuring out that God doesn't fit my timing, my schedule, my dreams is to go find or create something that will. You see, some of us are maybe have been following God for a long time and we've realized, oh wait, God doesn't fully fit in with my five-year plan. God's plans don't really fit in with the, the way that I wanted to go in my life. And maybe you haven't been worshiping any golden calves, but have you worshiped your career? Maybe you haven't worshiped any golden calves, but have you worshiped your relationships? Maybe you haven't worshiped any golden calves, but, but have you worshiped your finances? Have you begun to put things in God's place because they better fit your schedule, better fit your time, better fit what you think that you want for your life? And the second way that I think that we can really help lift the weights of waiting, the second I have to statement, I have to stay faithful to what God has for me. Come on, I have to stay faithful to what God has for me. The Israelites would get upset that God didn't really fit in their plans, so they went and found something else. The Israelites found out that God didn't really fit with their timing, so they went and got something else. But what can happen in our lives is that we can begin to think that we can get salvation and we can get peace and we can get hope from gods that we created on our own. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of spending my energy, spending my faith, spending my worship on something that can't save my soul. I would rather spend my time being faithful to what God has for me. I would rather spend my time being faithful to God's plan for my life. And as I invite the band up and we begin to close, I love the way that this story ends. It says, so Aaron told them, take off the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. They all did it. They removed the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took the gold from their hands and cast it in the form of a calf, shaping it with an engraving tool. The people responded with enthusiasm. These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out from Egypt. 
Aaron, taking in the situation, built an altar before the calf. Aaron then announced, tomorrow is a feast day to God. And I had the opportunity to play college basketball uh, when I was in college. And something that we used to do when we were playing basketball is we used to do a full court press. And maybe you're not familiar with with basketball, but we used to call this full court press havoc. And all that that means is pretty much what the name says, havoc. You just run around and you double team every single person with the ball. You're trying to create havoc. You're trying to disrupt the offense. And one time we were doing this in practice and it just wasn't going well. I mean, this team was scoring, this team was scoring, this team was scoring. So our coach pulled us all together and he began to say, guys, you're, the reason why this isn't working is because you're trying to always go for the big play. You're trying to always go, go for the big steal. You see, the point of havoc isn't to always just make a big play. The point of havoc is to speed the offensive player up. Because if you can speed the offensive player up, then they might not think clearly. If you can speed the offensive player up, well, then they might make some decisions that they normally wouldn't make. If you can speed the offensive player up, well, then they might take a shot they, they've never taken before. They might try to do something crazy and you might get the ball back that way. And I think the plan of the enemy isn't always to try to get us to create some, some moral failure for our life. The plan of the enemy isn't always to try to make us make some big mistake, but I think the plan of the enemy is sometimes to try to speed us up, to try to get us to lose focus, to try to get us to lose attention to detail. And the people of Israel take their God and they try to turn it into a golden calf. And I genuinely, scholars aren't sure if this was on purpose, but I genuinely don't believe that this was an accident. And the reason why I actually have a picture of the golden calf that well, we're gonna put up on the screens. And the reason why I did this was because when I first read this in college and it said they made a golden calf, I thought that they made like a leg muscle. So I was like, that's weird. So I wanna just make sure we're all on the same page. This is the kind of golden calf that they made. And they made this calf. But the reason why I think that this wasn't on purpose was because this calf actually resembles an Egyptian God named Apis. And this God would have been worshiped by the Egyptians. I mean, he would have been loved by the Egyptians. The Egyptians would have celebrated him. They would have worshiped him. They would have loved him. And like we said, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. And the reason why I don't think that this is on accident is because the, Egyptians, the Israelites would have heard about this God. They probably would have seen people worship this God. They probably would have seen, heard stories about this God. But the Israelites also had an issue with always comparing their situation where they are now to Egypt. You see, the Israelites would be hungry and they would say, oh, did we come out here just to starve? We used to have the best food in Egypt. So God would literally make bread fall from the sky. And then they would think, oh, just bread? We used to have the best meat in Egypt. We used to have that Texas Day Brazil El Guapo Gacho meat in Egypt. We used to have the best meat in Egypt. Oh, you should have seen the meat we had in Egypt. So then God would literally make quail fall from the sky. He would, he would give them what they asked for. And then they would say, oh, but I'm so thirsty. We used to have the best water in Egypt. We had that Voss water in Egypt, not the plastic bottle either, the glass bottle. We had the glass bottle Voss in Egypt. They had an issue with comparing things to Egypt with being obsessed with Egypt, but they seem to have forgotten one very small detail. You were slaves. You were in bondage. 
You had no rights. You were barely seen as human. You were beaten, you were abused, but thank God the food was good. You see, some of us have an issue with, with wanting to go back to places that we were begging God to free us from. The Israelites were begging God to free them from Egypt. They were crying out for God to send a savior. They were asking God to free them from Egypt. And then when things got hard, it was the first place that they wanted to go back to. Some of us are reminiscing about old jobs that we used to have, or maybe we made a little bit more money. Maybe there was a little bit more of an opportunity for advancement, but we forget that we felt like we had no soul. We forget like we couldn't have character. We forget that we felt like we were just going day by day, but thank God the checks cleared. Some of us are reminiscing on old relationships we used to be in, forgetting that we felt like we were emotionally abused, forgetting that we felt like we had no self-worth, forgetting that we felt so guilty because we were being impure. But thank God we had plans on Saturday nights. And what we end up finding out about the Israelites, this generation of Israelites, they would never step into the promised land. You see, the reason God left them from Egypt, the reason God sent them away from Egypt was so that he could send them to a new land, a land flowing with milk and honey, a man that he set aside for them. These generation of Israelites would never see that land because I can't step into what God has for me if I keep looking back at what he's freed me from. But can I tell you tonight, if we as a church, if we as a group of people want to be people who wait well, we want to be people who go through the process, we want to be people who get all that God has for us, we have to have the foundation, we have to have the faith, we have to have the stability to say, I don't care what's back there, I will not, I won't, I'll never go back to Egypt. God's been too good, God's been too faithful, God's been too kind, I would rather be in a season of frustration, I would rather be in a season of being upset, I would rather be in a season of waiting with God than be back in Egypt without him. Point number three tonight, the last thing I think we can learn about this story I have to refuse to go back to what's comfortable. The Israelites didn't have a promised land in Egypt. The Israelites didn't have purpose in Egypt. God didn't have plans for them in Egypt. And yet that's where they wanted to go. God doesn't have plans for you in Egypt either. Some of us are looking back at our lives, wishing we could go back, wishing we could go back to the way we used to live. It was way easier before we knew God. It was way easier before we got out a plan for our life, but now, if we look back, if it was so good, why'd you leave? Because you realized you had no hope, because you realized you had no freedom, because you realized you were slaves. But can we be people tonight who wait well? That's my prayer for our church as I was preparing this sermon that we would just wait well. Things might not look the way you want them to, but can we wait well? Things might not be going at the speed that you wish that they were, but can you wait well? That's our challenge tonight. That's what we have to do as Christians. That's what we have to do. Don't be like the Israelites. There's nothing back there for you. Stop looking back. I don't know who that's for tonight. I don't know who that's for online. Stop looking back. There's nothing there. There's no purpose. There's no hope. There's nothing there for you. Step forward into what God has for you because faith isn't found in the blessing. Faith isn't found in comfort. Faith isn't found in Egypt, but faith is found, faith is built, faith is known in waiting. Can we begin to stand to our feet tonight? And we're gonna close. I wanted to just ask a couple questions with every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're in here and we're talking about Jesus and you don't have a relationship with God. I wanna give you an opportunity to do that tonight. 
All that that means is that you're saying, God, I, I want you to be a part of my life. God, I want you in my life. I want to know more about you. And if that's you tonight, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. So I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, I would love for you to just raise your hand. Everyone's heads bowed and eyes closed. So you have your privacy. I would love for you to just raise your hand. One, two, three. That's awesome. That's awesome. I see you. God sees you. I see you and God sees you. You can put your hands down. And the second one, I just want to pray for you. And I'm going to ask you to be bold. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Maybe you're in here and you're in a season of waiting. Maybe you're in here and you, and you feel like you can't catch a break. It should have happened by now. It should have been done by now. The process was supposed to be over years ago, but you're still waiting. But you still feel like you have no hope. I want to pray for you tonight. I want to pray for you because I want to remind you that with God, there's always hope. That even in the darkest valley, with God, there's always hope. Even when it seems like, even when the doctors say they don't know what's going on, there's always hope. Even when your business hasn't been open and you've had to lay some people, there's always hope. But God, I'm, I'm struggling. God, I've been dealing with this for you. There's always hope. But God, I've been tempted. I've been, I've been really going. There's always hope. So can I pray for you tonight? I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. Hands up all over the room. God, I thank you that you're faithful, that you're kind, that you're gracious. Remind us of that tonight, God. I thank you, God, that we don't need you to change, God. We need our perspective to change. We need to be reminded of your goodness. I thank you, you're always good. You're always gracious. You're always kind. Help us to see that clearer tonight, God. Help us to leave with more of a realization for who you are. Do what only you can do in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.